shining flame as it leaped inside to cast a pale glow upon the tree and to chase the shadows from the shallow flight of steps. Hi-ho, murmured the black-and-white striped folk and sat down on his old kitchen chair to smoke the last of his evening pipe. For a moment he went on blinking contentedly about him, wondering if some folk might happen along for a chat and wondering whom it might be if one did. Then he blinked less contentedly and much more quickly into the gloom. In fact, he looked most an exceptional surprised of a sudden. Now it was gone, and nothing but deep shadow remained. Ch, 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 he said severely, and frowned up at his lantern in puzzlement. Now there's a funny thing to go and happen on a summer's night. He took his tinder-box, opened the door of the lamp, and lit the wick again. It leaped up, bright as ever. "'I should think so, too,' Stripe nodded firmly, and returned to his chair, wondering what had made his candle go out, for there was no breeze here, and in any case his lantern had been known to burn brightly through many a winter gale, to show folk where there was a bit of warmth and welcome on their way through the wood.' "'Funny things,' he murmured to himself, closing his eyes dreamily and testing the full, rich flavour of his tobacco. "'Candles are—' "'Never can tell what they're going to get up to next. That's the trouble with candles.' He didn't know just how right his words were going to prove, for when he opened his eyes to see how the night was a-getting on, it was pale and starlit— with not a single gleam from his lantern above the steps. "'I'm dreaming,' he said to himself, and closed his eyes again to make sure. Then he opened one of them very slowly and cautiously, and peered in puzzlement at the lamp. It was out, and cold, and dark. So he opened his other eye just as slowly and as cautiously, and looked at the lantern with that one, too. But it was still out.' and cold, and dark. This, declared old Stripe in amazement and annoyance, requires looking into, and he got up and opened the door of the lamp, peering inside. The candle stood there doing nothing at all except stand and look candly, and the wick was very black and smelt of cold candle-wick, nothing more. It is quite obvious said the badger, who sometimes got his words a little mixed and confused, and that something is the matter here. And he blinked deedily at his candle, while he wondered what it could possibly be. When he'd finished wondering, he decided that he just couldn't think, so he tried once more before he took serious action. Lighting the wick again, he waited until the flame was bright and clear as a yellow crocus, then he blew into the lantern. Sure enough, the flame flickered and danced about in sudden surprise, but it didn't go out. When Stripe stopped blowing, the flame stood straight and shining again, throwing a goodly light all around the steps and the front door and that portion of the tree trunk that was handy. "'Then it wasn't the breeze,' said Stripe, closing the lantern door. "'There wasn't a breeze anyway,' so it couldn't have been twice. Thinking deeply about the curious ways of his lamp, which had served him well for many a year, just as it had his father, he stood quite still on the top step and stared stonily at it.
almost as though he were daring it to go out again. He stared at it so long and stonily that his eyes began aching, so he stopped. The candle burned steadily on, as though it had been well behaved all the evening. Old Stripe gave a slow nod and a satisfied sigh, and was just going to take the kitchen chair into the house, since it wasn't very likely any folk would be wanting to sit on it out here during the night, when he stopped, because it was suddenly dark again. After a long, gloomy silence, while he thought much about candles and lanterns, and the curious and peculiar way in which they seemed to carry on, he said firmly, "'This is too much!' because it surely was. Then he added to make sure, "'This is very much too much!' After declaring this in a loud and annoyed tone, to prove to himself just how annoyed he felt about things in general, and outgoing candles in particular, he put his kitchen chair in the hall, closed his front door, climbed the shallow flight of steps leading to the mossy pathway outside the beech-tree, and went stomping off through the wood, for as he said to himself, and to any folk who happened to overhear him, "'I must go and see old Potter about this. I don't care how late it is.' He left the glade and entered the thickly clustered coppice on the way to the wild river. "'There's not a breath of a breeze,' he muttered as he walked, "'so the candle wasn't blown out.' He neared the river and heard the first faint murmur of it as it ran and tumbled under the starry heavens. "'And no folk came along and pinched the wick,' he added thoughtfully, "'so it wasn't that.' Leaving the trees, he went along the brown pathway that led to the little mooring-place where Potter kept his rowing-boat, Bunty. "'And I don't see any other reason a candle can possimously have.' he decided firmly, for going out when it's been lit all proper and according to the best rules about candle-lighting. So it went out without any reason at all. He reached the mooring-post and saw the little blue boat that was left there by the otter for those of his friends who couldn't swim or didn't particularly want to. Good, he nodded and climbed on board, taking up the oars after casting the rope free. Now we shall see what old Potter has to say about things. Potter the otter was sitting outside his house on Otter's Island, with a tankard of sweet cherry ale held comfortably in his furry old paw, watching his river flowing by. Above the trees the stars were still and gleaming silently, but in the water they danced and jiggled to the music of the ripples, as though a thousand tiny boats were drifting there, each with a lantern of bright silver at the mast. The sound of the river was friendly to the ears of this water-folk, for this was his island, where his ancestors had dwelled in days past. So long had the otters lived on the wild river that they had come to look upon it as their own, and in a way it was. There was another sound that Potter listened to as he sat dreaming this summer's night, and it was made by the little water-wheel that turned his potter's clay for him in the workshop, deep in the house. The voice of it was a joy in his ears as the stout veins went turning to the current, 
sending up beads of water that scattered like pearls in the starlight before they dropped, sowing a skein of jewels to the ripple's furrowed way. In normal times the wheel would not be turning unless Potter were turning at his clay, but this evening he had forgotten to throw the lever that held the veins, and now they turned on, sending water music to the breathless air. "'It's a very bad thing,' muttered the otter, as he sat a-sipping of his ale, "'leaving my water-wheel going. "'It wears the shafts and the cogs, that's what it does. "'So I'll go and attend to it.' "'He made no effort to move from the log on which he sat. "'So long as he told himself it was a bad thing, "'it eased his conscience until he gathered the energy to go and see to it. "'A very bad thing indeed.' He nodded sadly and sipped at his tankard again. He'd been telling himself how bad a thing it was ever since he had come out here to sit the evening through, and now that the night was almost here, he had the feeling that it was really high time to prove his words. Very carefully, so as not to surprise his legs too much and make them tottery, he stood up and gave a deep sigh, that was a mixture of contentment and sadness. He felt most and extreme contented with the evening, and the peace of it, and his tankard of cherry ale. But there was a sadness, because now he had to go into the house to stop the water-wheel. That required not only some stuff called energy, of which he possessed very little, but also that the delicious sound of the veins churning through the water must cease. He was just opening the front door, meaning to pass through the hall and the sitting-room and the kitchen and the...